0: Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Two board members on the platform with me today. I, get a, I better behave. <laughs> and a third working the live stream booth. Hey, speaking of behaving and and things I do or don't do, you might not believe this about me. Those of you who have known me for a while, but when I was in high school and college, in the summer months, I worked at a motor shop in my hometown in Indiana. So I'd get up every morning, ride my bike cross town, and do various jobs, such as break down electric motors for the parts to be recycled, or pull out the copper that we could sell, that sort of thing. And the work, as you can see, that's not me, by the way, Uh, the work, as you can see, is very dirty. I'm a Libra these things don't really go well together, but I did it nonetheless. You know, sometimes in life, you just have to do what you got to do. And like every work environment, and you probably have this in wherever you work or where you have work, there's specific lingo or things you say amongst your coworkers that are really kind of situational, kind of ways we poke each other in the ribs just to kind of keep things light. Well, there are a couple sayings we used in the motor shop. And the first one was about giving the motor an OSHA test. Now, you're familiar with the Occupational Safety Health Administration. So they've got rules for everything about how to keep a workplace safe. So the OSHA test was this. So after the guy had put the motor back together and done the repair, he had to put his hand on the metal of the motor and plug it in and shoot power to it. And if he got electrocuted, he failed the OSHA test. (laughs) And if it worked, it's a win, and we can bill for that. Well, the second thing, the second phrase we had, and and this is probably not only limited to the electric motor industry, but a lot of jobs, was an all-you-gotta-do job. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where somebody's come to you and said, well, all you got to do is. And well, in the motor shop, the, an all-you-got-to-do job would be an all-day job, maybe two, if you could get the parts. Because an all-you-got-to-do job was really big. And we just rub the other, rib the guys. You're not done with it yet? It's an all-you-got-to-do job. All you got to do is do that. So it was interesting, though. Uh, When I first came to Unity and got involved in Unity and and New Thought, I kind of got an all-you-got-to-do job experience. Because I would hear things like, all you got to do is change your thinking, change your life. Well, gee whiz, I wish somebody had told me that a little bit sooner. I would have had fewer OSHA tests in my personal life. Is all you got to do is change your thinking and change your life. It's an all-you-got-to-do job. Well, anyway... We're going to get back to that in just a moment. So be thinking about those all-you-got-to-do jobs in your life. So this is week three of our five-week back-to-school series of messages based on Unity's five principles found in the little booklet here. And the five principles that we teach in Unity, our basics, are phrased in a variety of different ways. And I've been saying this all along. And the truth be told, the version I prefer uh, is actually not the one found in the book, I realize that might be Unity Heresy. You've got another one coming up in just a moment, but I prefer the children's version. So they're on the screen here. Number one, God is good and active in everything all the time. Number two, I am naturally good because God's divinity is in me and in everyone. Yeah, sometimes we have to breathe on the everyone part, but it's there. Number three, I create my experiences because of what I choose to think and feel and believe. Number four, through affirmative prayer meditation, I connect with God and bring out the good in my life. And number five, I do and give my best by living the truth I know. I make a difference. Amen. So last week we focused on principle number two and just a very brief recap of that. So if you've missed any one of these series of talks, they're on our website. Just go click on the live video um, link and find the talk that you missed. And the second principle is, it affirms that no one is inherently a bad person, and we, and by that I mean everybody, the collective we, may engage in actions or in actions that are, let's just say, inconsistent with the truth of our being, but at the very core of all of us is Goodness. When God created humanity and created humanity in God's image, as we read in Genesis, there was no fine print that said something would invalidate the warranty. All we're told is God saw everything he had created, and indeed, it was very good. This is metaphorical language, but it affirms the inherent goodness that is the truth of all of us. So that doesn't mean, though, that we enable abet or excuse bad behavior, whether it's ourselves, our own, or somebody else's. But it does mean that we stay open to granting authentic forgiveness to anyone, including ourselves, who makes a sincere apology and engages in making meaningful amends. Let's just do it better next time, do it right, move forward. Still, though, many of us have this idea and this consciousness, it's embedded very deep in there, that we're a bad person and that something is inherently wrong with us. And it takes a long time to purge that. So how do we do that? Well, all you got to do is, (laughs) first, be patient with yourself. It's like learning a new skill. It doesn't happen overnight. So just like building our consciousness or self-perception didn't happen overnight, Changing it won't happen overnight either. You know, it's like another program I've heard of where uh, they talk about all you have to do is do it one day at a time. One day at a time, becoming aware of the truth of who you are and letting go of what is not the truth of who you are. So the second step in our little all-you-got-to-do process is that when you become aware of these I'm-bad type thoughts, simply bless them. And release them. And say to yourself something like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did used to believe that. But I don't anymore. Because I know it's not true. It's not the truth of who I am. We call those those sort of statements denials, statements of release. And you follow it up with an affirmation. I'm free to be the very best me. I am free to be the best me. And just like the shampoo bottle, rinse, wash, repeat, it's the same thing with this. Repeat as often as necessary. There is no time constraint. But a time will come along in your life when you realize, I'm not beating myself up anymore. I haven't done that in a long time. And you reach behind and go, good job, good job. Keep up the good work. I knew you could do it. So let's look at principle number three and this is how it's phrased in our booklet. Human beings create their experiences by the activity of their thinking. Everything in the manifest realm has its beginning in thought. This principle highlights an important fact about unity and the other communities of new thought, Centers for Spiritual Living, Divine Science, and the what's highlighted here is that new thought has shared roots with the science of psychology. I've mentioned this many times. Both new thought spirituality and psychology are designed to help individuals know themselves and make meaning of their lives. And this principle highlights that, um, uh, that the I'm looking at my notes. This is even typed and I still can't read it. This principle highlights that our teachings in Unity and New Thought are designed to help us have full and abundant, meaningful, loving, peaceful, happy, prosperous lives right here and right now, how we engage in life today, how we live today, rather than what happens to us when we die. So our focus is really on illumination and engagement more so than salvation in the afterlife. Okay, so quick aside that begs some questions. Well, what happens when we die? Well, the short answer is found in our first principle. The nature of God is altogether good, found everywhere at every moment of time and space. Which means that the goodness of God that we talk about and feel and experience in this life with these bodies is wherever our soul goes afterwards. When we're done with these bodies, we can't not be enfolded in all that God is all the time. And in fact, we, we affirm that at each one of our services when we say, wherever we are, God is, and all is well. Wherever means wherever. So we don't worry so much about it. We can talk more about that later, because absolutely, that is a different talk for a different day. So when I think about unity's third principle, it gets a little bit tricky for me And as I mentioned a moment ago, I think I'm about to commit a unity heresy. And that's a tongue-in-cheek comment. Don't take that literally. But if it were up to me, I would phrase this principle entirely differently. Let me explain. So I use a phrase very often that I use to describe the situation when, when we try to make a point using the fewest number of words possible. And that phrase is verbal shorthand. Didn't you ever take a shorthand class back in the old millennium, you know, to use little squiggles and lines to represent words? Stenography, I think it was called. I I remember something about that. It was was in the 1900s, so it was a long time ago. (laughs) So shorthand is helpful, but it doesn't include everything. And so when we use verbal shorthand, we're using just a few words to talk about a big subject. It's kind of like soundbite, I think is how we describe that today. And the key point with this principle is that people create the experience of their lives. We're not talking about the natural realm of acts of nature. You know, like like you ever wash your car and realize, oh my God, I'm going to make it rain. I just washed my car. We're not talking about things like that. Or, you know, we're not talking about who had the thought of a tornado that came whipping down the plane and took out of a, a town. And we're not talking about blaming the victim when bad things happen. And sometimes we've heard this in New Thought centers and churches, the lines such as, what were you thinking that brought that to you? How cruel. And we definitely don't believe in practicing Cruelty. In fact, we use that sort of an experience as we we describe it as metaphysical malpractice. And yes, though, sometimes something we do is the immediate cause of something crappy that happens to us. There is a law of karma, karma or cause and effect at work, but it's not all the time. And this is why I'm a little bit hesitant to really affirm the verbiage here. As my friend, Pastor Paul in North Carolina says, anything can happen to anyone at any time. And sometimes that's really awesome. Like I got the front parking spot. I bought the winning lottery ticket. I met the love of my life. But sometimes kind of really awful things happen. We read about those in the paper every day. And it's really cruel to say, oh, those poor children at that school, they call, you know what I'm saying? This is, a, this is problematic, but it does point to a greater truth, and we'll get to that. And the, what's really most problematic, again, is that second line. Everything in the manifest realm has its beginning in thought. So we might say, yes, in the divine mind of God, that which we call God, everything happens. great and exists. And if something is created by humans, then probably humans thought it up, Uh, and sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. Somebody somewhere had the idea for plastic squeeze bottles. They took an action, and now we have convenient to access ketchup from our plastic squeeze bottles. Well, there you go. That's the law in action. Or somebody had the idea to feed the poor and took some action, and we have food banks. Yeah, it's a win for humanity. Or somebody had the idea to commit a crime or an act of violence, took action, news headlines. This principle can work in the affirmative and the constructive form and destructively as well. See, whatever thoughts we're holding can build up or tear down so i call this the proactive creative thought that means using thought to proactively create something new it's a function of thought and we use it all of us when we try to when we are in the process of reaching our goals fulfilling our visions manifesting our dreams from that wonderful prayer that Amy sang about. And when we teach this third principle, that's what we're emphasizing. We're going to accentuate the positive. You know, use the power of thought to create what you want in the world and for the world. And unfortunately, it does work in the negative. A lot of people have thought up a lot of really awful things, and there have been effects. Thought doesn't care who's using it, it just is. And thought combined with action yields a result. So we can use thought proactively to create things. You know, if, if it were up to me and I were editing this booklet, but Reverend Ellen did not call me and ask me to edit it, I would simply take off this second line altogether, which is why I prefer the children's version. But that second line isn't inherently wrong, it's just verbal shorthand. It leaves out a lot of content. I think it's complete and creates the opening for metaphysical malpractice. So again, the children's version says, I create my experiences because of what I choose to think and feel and believe. And I like this version better, but to me it is still problematic. So I look at it this way, because when I read that, I'm taking it kind of literally, do my thoughts, beliefs, feelings create all my experiences? Because I think that's what's implied. I am am I responsible for or the cause of, or to blame for, or to get credit for, absolutely every single thing that happens in my life? Everything. Did your thoughts cause absolutely everything that has happened in your life? No. Not at all, not all, maybe a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely a lot of them, because you have tremendous influence in your life. The key, and it is both psychological and sp- spiritual, is in how we understand what is meant by the word experiences. Experience in this instant are the instance are the internal experiences of meaning making, evaluation. And integration of what happens both to us, within us, and all around us, meaning the experience happens between our ears. We judge it. We perceive it. We evaluate it. We give it meaning. We decide what what its impact is. So I've broadened this expression, and, and, and I have a way I prefer to look at the third principle, and it's on the next slide here. So thought is proactively, and reactively creative. Proactive, as we've already talked about, through visioning, planning, strategizing, going out and doing something and creating something. Reactive, through giving giving meaning to what has happened and what is happening to us. How do we create meaning in our lives is often a function of reacting to what has happened in our lives, and is happening to our lives. For instance, I've talked to people who have gone through recovery from addiction. And they, many of them have said, you know, hitting rock bottom was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. I got my life back. I learned principles in that program that helped me to move forward. See, that's a reactive giving meaning to an experience. I've talked to people who have gone through major illness who have said the same thing. I've talked to people who have recovered from really enormously powerful and hurtful experiences who have said, I learned a lot about myself, about my world. I'm a better person now because I went through that. They chose to give reactive meaning and purpose to that. Where and they could also have said, I'm a victim. Everything's bad. Everything's bad for me. Woe is me. That could have been their truth. They could have stuck there, but they built a future by taking responsibility for giving meaning and purpose to what has happened or what is happening. It's much like we're doing here in the church where we're talking after the service today about what's our new normal. So that's what's happening to us right now. What are we going to make it mean? We can make it mean, oh, my God, everything's awful. Or we can make it mean something really exciting is being birthed. And we're just really curious to see what it is. That is reactive creativity. And it is grounded in our principles, namely that the nature of God is altogether good. And we're going to find the good. We're going to bring it out. We're going to celebrate it. Yeah, and so we do all the work that we want to do to move forward, and a lot of of times in our lives, things don't go as we planned. Has anybody made a plan and then have it go sideways? Well, three or four of us, okay. Well, the rest of you, well done. I want to talk afterwards. (laughs) You know, I remember that line from the Dalai Lama. You may have seen it somewhere, and he said, sometimes not getting what you want is a stroke of luck. You know, we have to like pick up the, the mindset of an entrepreneur and say, okay, well, if things have gone to pot, what can I do with it now? How can I leverage this for good? Because the nature of God is altogether good. I'm inherently good. And if I have a pile of yuck, there must be some divine idea in here. And I can use this somehow for my betterment. That's why I often talk about the inherent optimism of unity and new thought. And yeah, sometimes you get an OSHA test or two along the way. But all you got to do is change your thinking, change your life. So if it were up to me, I would rephrase our third principle in this way. Thought is powerful. Thinking is powerful. Unity co-founder said, The thinking faculty in you makes you a free agent because it is your creative center. In and through this one power, you establish your consciousness and build your world. So when we talk about our mission here at Unity of Fairfax of awakening each life to the Christ within, a significant part of what that means is we want to help people understand and learn how powerful their thoughts are and how powerful Each one of us is in creating and influencing the building of a world that works not only for us as individuals, but as our vision statement says, a world of peace, abundance, and respect for all creation. We are that powerful. But until uh, and unless we learn about the, the, the fact that we can know our thinking, that we can change our thinking, that we are empowered agents of transformation, then we get stuck in the status quo or the status, whoa. (laughs) And that's not what we're about. We're about having life and having it abundantly, as our master teacher and weight shower said. So how do we work to improve the quality of our thought? Really, it's just an all you got to do job. And we'll talk about that more next week when we lean into our teachings on prayer and meditation. In the meantime, though, pat yourself on the back for all those OSHA tests you've done, all those powerful lessons you've learned, and realize that creating the life of your dreams, it's just an all-you-got-to-do job. Peace be with you, and namaste. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.